Hey everybody, it is Tim. This is the honor roll. You know how we do things here, or if you don't, here's what we do. I take a look at five new horror movies that have come out in the year of 2021, and then I pick which ones that I like and put them on what I call the honor roll. And the honor roll is essentially like what... uh, what I will be taking a batch of movies that I will be taking from picking from my top 10 list at the end of the year, which we are coming up on. We only got like a month left. So uh, I'm playing catch up on a little, a little bit, but I'm, I'm pretty well caught up on a lot of these movies right now. So uh, we got a pretty good batch here. I got to get going here. It is a, uh, it's feast week. Now feast week is a uh, feast week. If you're a college basketball fan and I'm, I'm sure there's a big overlap here. Um, Feast Week is essentially, there are three main segments of the college basketball season. So you have the non-conference schedule, you have the conference schedule, and then of course you have the NCAA tournament. So we are in the early stages of the college basketball season, and so we're in the non-conference, and it's where teams from different conferences play each other, and then before the conference season. So the non-conference schedule is what we're in. But we are in what college basketball fans refer to as Feast Week. And this is usually every Thanksgiving, um, every week of Thanksgiving, these teams from different conferences get together, and they play in these invitational tournaments. And it's really just kind of, it gets people, so like there's one in the Bahamas called the Battle for Atlantis. And they don't actually, uh, like Aquaman's not there. James Cameron is not there. But it takes place at a resort. So these resorts get all these college basketball fans in for a couple of days around the holidays. And they sit there and they watch a bunch of basketball games. They play three or four basketball games. There's the Maui Invitational. And then, so all these, all these Wisconsin and, uh, Providence fans, uh, they all they all go to Maui and they eat all the Maui food and uh, they go to Hawaii and then they watch their basketball teams play three or four times uh, three or four times a day. So uh, basically, I got to get this done. I've already rambled, but I got to get this done because Feast Week. The great thing about Feast Week is you get college basketball at eleven in the morning, and I'm recording this. I'm coming up on it. So this is Feast Week, and I know there's a horror movie yearbook. So this is not a. If you want to celebrate, if you're not a college basketball fan, maybe watch the Feast movies by uh, John Gulliger, I believe, and then uh, somebody else did the second one. I don't remember who did the second one off the top of my head. Let's let's check. We've got the time here. We've got some time. Who did Feast 2? Feast 2. How come it doesn't even come up on uh, IMDb? What's going on? All right, all right. This is, not, this is not going well. I'm sure this is called, like, Feast 2 Seconds. I'm going to have to Google it now. It's called probably called, like, uh, Second Helping. Or something like that. Uh, no, I did not mean Fast 2 movie. Now it's just... Yeah, oh God. It was called... Excuse me. It was called Feast 2 Sloppy Seconds. Also directed by one Mr. John Gulliger. So there you go. Um, so if you are not a college basketball fan, but you want to celebrate Feast Week with me, just watch the Feast movies. But we're going to start off... We're going to talk about uh, the movie called Old... I think that's where I'm going to start this week. This is the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. I know, pronunciation. Um, Shyamalan? Yeah, I think so. 
This is the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. A vacation family discovers that the secluded beach where they're relaxing for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. Oh, so if you wanted to do maybe, oh, that's a good pitch for a horror movie. Maybe all these college basketball fans go to like the Bahamas for feast week. And it's like a new tournament. Nobody's ever heard of it. And it's like an invitational tournament. And then they go there and instead of, or maybe even while watching the games, they age like that could be the sequel old to feast week. Uh, this is written by M night Shyamalan. This is also based on a graphic novel that I think M night just kind of liked. Um, it's called Sandcastle. I am not familiar with it. It's a graphic novel. It looks like, I think it might be a French graphic novel. <clears throat> I'm not sure. I'm not usually does original works. This is based on an existing work. Gail Garcia Bernal, Vicky Kripes and Rufus Sewell also star. <coughs> Excuse me. I got a, I choked on my spit after um, nailing that pronunciation. So M night is back. I am going to be very spoiler free on this one. Some of the fun, a lot of the fun, honestly with M night movies is going in blind. And I want to respect that. I also, there's a twist ending in this. So I'll say that up front. I, I want a twist ending in M. Night Shyamalan movies. Of It's like, I don't know, like if I get Taco Bell, I want it to like leak through the grease of the paper. There are certain things I expect. And one of the things I expect from an M. Night movie is a, is a twist ending. And this one has one. So I was happy there. I The basic plot of this is you go to the island and you get old. I think I, I covered that in the IMDb description. So this is like... Uh, this is like, but it's like pretty basic stuff that happens here when you, when you get all like the characters get sick or they forget stuff and uh, they look different. They age, they grow, um, they grow in certain places and stuff like that. So it's basically just characters. Some young characters grow into teenagers, blah, 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 stuff like that. I kind of, uh, there are a couple things I really liked here. The characters figure all of this stuff out remarkably quickly in this movie. Like they just go along. They're like, oh, this island is aging us. And they just, they, there's no time wasted with bickering back and forth. And I'm actually getting old too. So I don't have time for a movie to spend like 40 minutes, like people arguing and trying to figure stuff out. This is great. There's also a slight spoiler. There's a tumor removal scene in this movie that is phenomenal. And uh, it rocks. They just rip it out. <laughs> Like, I don't know. Let's see. I, normally, this scene takes like a grand total of maybe like four minutes. Tumor removal surgery. We're going to Google that. Uh, how, let's see how, how long does it take? Because there are people that get paid to do this. And yeah, three to five hours. If you have an awake craniotomy the surgery could take five to seven so we're talking in the three to seven hour range but in old the movie old it takes them four minutes to remove a tumor fantastic stuff but i guess i mean maybe that's the way the island works um i do wish that the movie would have been a little bit more focused on some of some of like the more mundane aspects of getting old um like maybe one character has to pee in the middle of the night but they're up on a hill and they just don't want to walk down the stairs so they get really awful sleep and they're cranky the next day maybe one character like drank or ate dairy and they're just like ripping terrible farts and they just can't stop complaining about how bloated they are all the time oh they could like eat dinner at 4 30 p.m they could play bingo like there's a bingo Scene and someone says a 21 and then their bones start to rupture because they're all old stuff like that. That's uh, maybe in the sequel. They can, they can use some of my ideas there. This is a, uh, speaking of bone rupturing, this is a very violent movie. Someone's bones actually do rupture in this and it is gnarly as hell. 
It also gets more violent as it goes along. Uh, this violence, uh, this kind of explicit violence, is not something I'm accustomed to in M Night movies. Normally, his normally his movies are PG thirteen, and this is PG thirteen. I don't remember the one rated R movie he had. Uh, there are a couple. Is Split rated R? No, so I thought Split was PG. Whatever. Normally, his movies are kind of light on the violence, but this does not skimp on it. Uh, later in the movie, I was surprised when I saw afterwards that this was PG-13. There's also no nudity in it, but there is a scene that is like Austin Powers. Like, I expected someone to hand a pine- pineapple to cover up someone's privates in the camera at one point, because there's a scene where, like, you, you're just, uh, you're almost distracted looking for the nudity. You're looking for the nipple. Let's be adult here uh the twist in this movie i i should say i like this movie quite a bit it hits that m night kind of twilight zone sweet spot for me i like when he plays in this sandbox there is a moment towards the end um there's a couple of really touching moments in it actually too there's a moment towards the end between two characters where they basically ask each other why they did the things they did to each other and they kind of they gain the island causes them to gain a new perspective on life I didn't love the twist ending, though. I won't say much, except maybe this movie reminds me more of The Village, M. Night's The Village, than anything else. I think I like this more than The Village because it doesn't have the Adrian Brody performance that maybe I like it less. Uh, But The Village is kind of what went through my mind during the twist. But everything leading up to the twist, I really liked. Uh, So is this on the honor roll? I've been borderline since I watched this and I've gone back and forth. The question I ask on the honor roll is like, will this, does this have a shot to make my top 10 at the end of the year? And I'm going to say, yeah, it could sneak in there. I really liked the first probably hour or so. And I didn't hate the twist. I just, it wasn't my favorite part of the movie, but there's some, like I, like I mentioned earlier, there's some very human and touching stuff in it. And I, it was an interesting watch. So yeah, I'll put old on the honor roll. All right, I'm skimming around here for my next one. So let's do uh, let's do Don't Breathe Two. Don't Breathe Two. This is oh yeah. Let's I should have I should have brought this up. I'm not very professional today. This is going to take me all day. I've got I'm up against the clock here, and I'm I'm already all over the place. Don't Breathe Two. Who directed this bad boy? It's the writer, I think, of the first movie, Roto Sayugas. Uh, it's also written by Fetty Alvarez and Roto Sayugas. Uh, this stars Stephen Lane, Madeline Grace, Brandon Sexton. The third, the sequel is set in the years following the initial deadly home invasion where Norman Nordstrom, that's a great Stanley name, lives in a in quiet solace until the, his past sins catch up with him. He lives in the uh, the old Detroit suburbs, I think. But judging by just the what's on screen, it looks to be somewhere down river, maybe that he's living in maybe even like a tailor i don't know i don't my michigan geography is bad i live here um it's filmed in serbia though <laughs> so i well listen i'm not gonna cast this version but maybe there are places in serbia detroit that are very similar i don't know i don't know serbia i'm laughing and i've never been to serbia so maybe it's uh but technically this is a serbian film so there you go the first movie don't breathe i liked it I think it works best when it's just kind of a straight up exercise in tension. I do think it falls apart maybe when you think about it too much, but that's not really what the movie is designed. Like the movie's not designed to be a thinker. It's to kind of, you watch it, you get caught up in it and you go, Oh man, that was tense. That was very intense. Um, weirdly enough, this movie don't breathe too kind of mirrors the first film for a lot of it, especially the first half of the movie. It's very much, the same kind of 
concept, which is robbers going into the blind man's house and dealing with him. The first half of the movie, though, is too dark. So this is more of me getting old. I'm like, I'm not, this movie aged me, I think, in the first half. I'm getting up there in age. I'm not as old as the blind man. I'm not as old as some of the characters in the movie Old by M. Night. I have always had really bad eyesight, though. Like, my glasses are huge. My wife makes fun of me. She tries them on. She can't see anything ever. Uh, they're just, they're Coke bottles is what they are. So I stare at screens all day, too which probably doesn't help. So it's just getting worse. And there's a, there's like a test. They tell you to do this test where you have to pick a, um, you have to pick it like an object and just stare at it. Like if you are, so this is helpful for maybe people that are working in an office. Maybe you're listening to me in an office right now. Hopefully you have it cranked up. So all of your fellow cubicle mates can hear me and they go, Ooh, who's that? Who's that talking about horror movies? I want to listen to more of him, but there's a test where you are supposed to stare at an object for like, 20 seconds to a minute. I don't know. Google the exact time. And then like, it'll help you. Um, it will help your eyes adjust and to just to look away from a screen for a little bit. But for the way I have my office set up, it's not possible. So I'm just locked in at screens all day. My eyes are dry as hell too. Like I take my contacts out. It's just like Velcro being ripped out of them. Anyway, I couldn't see a damn thing for the first half of this movie. And I just, I normally chalk this stuff up to my eyesight, but I turned the brightness all the way up too. So the movie had that nice, like shot through a spider web look that I'm sure fil- the filmmakers always intend to have um it wasn't just me though i saw a few others mentioned it when i googled don't breathe too can't see it brought up a couple reviews they're like this is really dark in the first half of the movie no i couldn't see anything and they saw it in the theater too so there you go i don't think this ever reaches the quite the heights of the king of not being able to see the movie which is alien versus predator requiem which is shot in the dark completely 100 shot at night with no lighting, Alien versus Predator Requiem. I'm going to get Willie to do this movie on there one, one day just to see if maybe we can decipher what the hell is going on in that movie visually. Um, it also gets better. I could see the second half. And I think the movie gets better too. It turns into more of a schlocky revenge flick. It also sprinkles a little bit of a Leon the Professional in there. There's some there's some wild, wild stuff in the third act. Um between the violence and even like what the movie is saying, there's a shot in this movie towards the end that mirrors Michelangelo's the Pieta, which is the sculpture of Jesus lying on his mother's lap after the crucifixion. Like this movie does that. It's nuts. It's crazy. Good for them. Uh, the movie does attempt to become and slight spoilers here. It tries to become maybe a little bit of the redemption of the blind man, the main character. I I can see why this has maybe been controversial in some circles. I don't mind it though. I kind of think it's a, this is a parable. It's, it's almost biblical. Like I mentioned with the PA that it's almost biblical in how it presents it. It's people take movies literally nowadays. It seems like in a lot of places and it's not messy. This is a story. Um, and the other thing is too, there there aren't quote unquote good people in either one of these movies. What separates these two warring entities here in the second half of the movie is selfishness, and it's a parable about selfishness, and it's a parable about forgiveness at the end. And one group wants the little girl, and it's to save a certain member of that of that group. Um, it also, like I mentioned, it come becomes a movie about forgiveness, and which I know is something that people love these days. Ah. Oh. People can't get enough of forgiving people. It's oh my god! I'm just I step outside, I turn on the TV, I'm like, hey, knock it off with all the forgiveness. Let's draw a hard line here, everybody. But I don't think the character 
of the blind man towards the end, he's not asking forgiveness of the audience. He's asking for forgiveness essentially from God or um, I don't want to spoil, but from a certain character in this movie. And it's kind of about him accepting that it's not all the universe is not out to get him. God is not out to get him. Whatever you want to say is not out to get him. It's about him basically trying to make the world a better place by saving somebody else that has a future and doesn't have to make the same mistakes that he did. So I can also see why maybe um, people, some people didn't like it because it's uh, it tells people it's not about themselves. So anyway, um, is this on the honor roll? It reminded me of Halloween kills in that way too, with the Laurie, Laurie Strode kind of, uh, journey there and it is, the movie takes the blind man on a journey i like that is this on the honor roll though am i gonna put this on there i don't think so i don't think this is gonna make my top 10 so we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here and i gotta start making cuts it um i couldn't see the first half i don't know what to tell you what the hell i i can't i can't see half your movie then no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say this is a good movie it's not gonna make top 10 second half was interesting that was great i could see it but no all right, everybody knows I love a good shark movie, so let's talk about a uh, kind of not very good shark movie. Great White, a fun-filled flight to a remote atoll, turns into a nightmare for five passengers when their seaplane is destroyed in a freak accident and they are trapped on a raft 100 miles from shore with man-eating sharks lurking beneath the surface. This is directed by Martin Wilson, written by Michael Bowen, Starring Katrina Bowden from um, Tucker and Dale and uh, 30 Rock, Aaron Jakobenko and Kimi Sukakoshi. Uh, this is, yeah, it's a, this is a shark movie here. This is a, uh, this is one of those uh, Australian productions. So, oh, let's do this. Let's do this. Scariest. I'm going to bring up one of those like BuzzFeed articles because this is focused on a shark and we all know sharks are very scary, but. Australia, as some people may know, uh, is very... Oh, here we go. This is from BoredPanda.com. Australia is the land of nope. Oh, maybe the Jordan Peele movie that's coming out. Um, And here are 40 pictures proving. Let's scroll through this. This is a big bat. Um, It's called a mega bat. (laughs) He just kind of looks... I don't mean, honestly, I think bats are kind of cute sometimes. Some people hate them, but... uh, this one's hanging upside down. It kind of looks like Batman. There's a huge lizard that kind of, this one is like, he's kind of, that's the thing with Australia. These, uh, the wildlife just makes themselves at home. This one's just hanging out on some brick building outside, uh, giant spiders. I'm not like scared of spiders. Oh God. Oh God. This is a, uh, this is a, a Python eating a crocodile. <laughs> I don't like snakes. That was fucking, I don't even know if I can do the rest of this episode now. Um, oh, this is the, uh, this is, I don't know if everybody's seen this. is the muscular kangaroo. He's got like big, he's kind of ripped. He kind of looks like he's been lifting all day. Um, his name is, uh, Roger Roo. Oh, he died. Uh, that's a bummer. He died a couple years ago. Um, but he's kind of the ripped kangaroo. I'm sure a lot of people have seen that. What else we got here? Uh, big bugs, a lot of big bugs, spider frost. Ooh. So essentially this looks like someone's out like jogging and it's a bunch of spider webs covering the ground. Oh, this one, and it's kind of covered the picnic table in spider webs. Ay, ay, ay. Uh, that's probably not good. This is what I hate about Australia. I'm going to be honest with you. And there are, I've seen so many pictures of this. There are uh, so many snakes in 
toilets. This is the scariest thing in the world to me is that I could go to the bathroom one day and there would be a snake in it. Um, Oh God, I can't even think about it. This is a bunch of frogs, toads riding a giant snake in Australia. The cane toads are deadlier than the python. Cane toads, see that? There you go. You think the python's the scary thing in Australia? No, no, no. Uh, these toads are actually, oh my God. This is So this is a dead whale filled with gas on the brink of exploding. And it kind of looks like, you know how like in the Kirby games, when Kirby starts sucking things up and he gets really fat, that's kind of what this whale looks like. And apparently it's about to explode. I might need to Google whale explosion after I get done here. There's another frog. There's a frog eating snakes. <laughs> this is, this, that was a picture. It's like a, it's like a clothing store and it's a giant python. that's just got in. And then someone in the comments goes, this happens at least twice a week at my, in my local store. No, no, thank you, Australia. Oh, here's a big earthworm. That's disgusting. That just looks like a snake. Oh, a snake popping out of um, a gas station, like one of the gas station pumps. Just another snake popping out. What the hell is going on? Why do snakes just keep popping out of stuff? How many how many snakes are there in Australia? Um, what else we got here? Oh, a snake in uh, shoes. A snake in a lunchbox. <laughs> oh, a snake coming out of a lamp. Uh, another snake in a toilet. Oh my God, I can't even go on. That's it. That's it. Uh, Australia, the land of snakes. Um, but this is about a shark. Um, is this movie any good? No. No, this movie ends up, this is one of those movies that ends up like turning into like a movie that's more about a bunch of characters bickering while they survive, uh, try to survive on a raft. It's like man versus nature in the sense that, it, but it should be, I know shark is a part of nature, but it should be man versus shark. I came here for the shark. I came here for the great white. It's fine. The shark, um, he looks kind of CGE, CG, too much CG early in the movie. And there's not enough of him. Is this on the honor roll? No, there's not. And none of those animals, Australia, if anybody in Australia is listening, uh, get your shit together. I can't handle I can't handle this. this is, I got to stop seeing these articles of these scary or just make some, that's the thing. If you want to be scared, don't watch Great White. Watch the uh, go go Google a BuzzFeed article or a Board Panda article, and you'll get very scared. Uh, this is not on the honor roll. Dead and beautiful is up next. I watched this on Shutter. Oh, I should mention this and um, the Shark movie Great White are on Shutter now. I would I wouldn't recommend either one of them. Honestly, spoiler for this review: uh, a group of young and spoiled rich kids turn into vampires after a night out, changing the course of their lives and driving a wedge between them all. Directed by David Verbeek, written by David Verbeek and Hugh Travers, starring Gish Blom, Philip Wan, and Anna Marchenko. David Verbeek has he done anything? Let's click on his IMDb. Full contact gloves. I haven't seen anything he's done. Um, I don't know if I will see much after this one. This is a vampire movie. It's a rich vampire movie. There is a, uh, I can't remember. I think it's like a tweet or something, but someone asked like, why are vampires all rich? Someone responded like, if you were a vampire, you run for like hundreds of years and you're not rich. And what the hell is wrong with I'm questioning your actions. <laughs> like, of course a vampire is rich. These vampires are all rich, but these these are characters that are rich before they come become vampires and uh they go to a location and they get kind of messed up and they wake up and they're vampires and i i don't think i've ever been like drunk enough to uh i say that and then i think back to like my college days and this probably could have happened to me the thing is you go to you go to like clubs and everybody's dancing and you don't know what could happen next you've been you've been out on the dance floor you've been drinking a 
a Dracula could come up to you at any time and turn you into a fellow Dracula. So I, most of the time though, if I get this bad, I don't, I don't turn into a vampire. I mostly just like, I used to spend too much at like the restaurant after like I'd start buying the table stuff and I wake up with a credit card charger and I go, got to pick up a shift to pay that off. Um, I would lose my phone or my keys, just real basic, basic stuff, but never been turned into a vampire. I mean, I don't know, maybe when I did like vampire, you get everlasting life. What's not to love? Um, the problem with this is, uh, these are not very interesting vampires. This is the main problem with this movie. These vampires, so they spend most of their time just kind of pontificating on the loneliness of everlasting life. And I'm just like, why are you lonely? You live forever. You just make new friends. Come on now. Um, these are the absolute, also the absolute dead last people I want to see become vampires. Like they're young, rich people and they're shitty. And like, that's kind of the point, I guess. But I don't know. Like if you're going to have rich, but nobody likes to watch rich people be rich. I, I People like to watch rich people or at least I do to watch them be kind of goofballs. Like they don't know how to interact with the rest of the world around. I think this is why succession, the succession is so popular um, is because of this. And like, we would like to watch dummies. We like to watch rich people be dummies. I mean, <laughs> we've elected them to watch them be dummies. So I don't know. I don't. And honestly, I don't want to watch like sexy 20 somethings that aren't dummies just be kind of boring and sad all the time, especially while they're vampires. I want to see them have more fun. They seem way too bummed about being vampires. Also, I said the sexy vampires, this is PG 13 sexy. This is not, um, rated R sexy. This feels like one of those late nineties, like teen horror flicks, but actually kind of less sexy than like a cruel intentions. This is uh this movie half steps the sexy. There's no, there's nothing to like it. There's no nudity at all. in it. there might be a butt at one point, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not even talking about just what we, the people watching this, they, they want their sexy vampires. They don't want to see, they don't want to see a half step. It, it is a very good looking movie. It's very slick. Um, I, a lot of people, I, a lot of reviews compared it to neon demon, neon demon, uh, neon demon, the Reffin movie, I was thinking kind of like the hunger throughout the old Tony Scott vampire movie. It's not as good as that though. It's not as good as uh, the neon demon. It's not as good as a lot of movies. This is not on the honor roll. Next up Titan directed by Julie DeCorno. I think written by her. Yeah. Oh, I should bring up the cast here. Titan. Cause we should give some credit because there is a very good lead performance. There are a couple of, excellent performances in this movie. So let's, let's make sure I give credit where credit is due. Following a series of unexplained crimes, a father is reunited with the son who has been missing for 10 years. Titan, a metal high, highly resistant to heat and corrosion. Oh, this starts a turn with high, it gives the, with high tensile strength alloys. It gives the definition of Titan in the IMD plot description. What the hell? Uh, Julia DeCardo directed it. Julia DeCardo wrote it. Um, starring Vincent Linden. Agatha Rossell and Garance Marley. Okay, I threw that French on there. This is DeCorno's follow-up to the movie Raw, which was one of my favorite movies from the year it came out. I think 2017 or 2018, whatever. It's a, it's kind of a cannibal, coming-of-age cannibal story. Very focused, very tight. I, I, I love that movie. Raw is great. I think it's still on Shudder. This kind of feels to me, Titan feels to me like one of those kind of classic sophomore efforts that follows up kind of a more focused movie and 
it has a lot on its mind. It's a filmmaker with a lot to say. Us kind of is a recent example where Jordan Peele kind of followed Get Out with Us. Um, Southland Tales is a good example, I think, in some ways. Um, I hesitate to call this a sophomore slump, though. This is a pretty good movie. It's just... it's it's like I said, it's following up a more focused first work and it's got probably a little too much on its mind. I don't mind that, though. I don't like to criticize a movie for having a lot to say. There are some issues with it, though, and I'll get into that. Uh, this one movie won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. Uh, she was the second female director to do so. Jane Campion was the other for the piano, I believe, and... um Jane Campion, of course, has been in the news lately. Someone asked her if she would do a super movie. movie. She said, hell no, I hate them. And I think this made some people mad, and I don't care. Um, Would I like to see – no, I don't want to see uh, Julie DeCorno do a super movie either. But I'm sure someone will ask her at some point because that's all that we do now is ask directors trying to promote their movies – whether they would want to do a superhero movie. And some are like, hell yeah, I like money. And some are like, hell no, I don't want to do it. I hate them. And then we have uh, discourse for the next week. I watched, uh, oh, I also watched a French news report on this in the win um, at Cannes. And uh, it's hilarious. Go search it out because the the woman who is doing the report hates the movie. I watched it because I wanted to see how to pronounce everything because uh, I'm a professional like that. Uh, but she hated the movie. She <laughs> She thought it sucked. And then she pointed people to go watch Cronenberg movies, which I thought rocked. <laughs> um, as this is a, uh, just so you know what you're going to get to with this movie, this is a actual line from its Wikipedia summary. So here we go. Uh, after the party, Alexia has sex with a fire truck. <laughs> That's it. That's the line. This movie's a lot to take in. It's body horror. It's Cronenberg mixed with a slasher, mixed with the films of the new French extremity. It's a hidden identity movie. It's a movie about masculinity and what that means. It's a movie about how fragile our bodies are and the relationship between man and machine. It's kind of like Tetsuo. Um, It's a movie about gender identity, I guess. I don't know. The middle portion, I'll just say this. I like the movie best in the first and third act when it's more body horror. It feels like three different movies. I like the movie that it sets up in act one the best, which is almost kind of like a body horror, sexy kind of like slasher movie. Um, The opening act one is exhilarating with with what it's doing it's kind of like a i hate to I hate to use a term but i can't think of another one it's kind of a tour de force from the lead actress um it takes a a turn in the second half though and it's one it's one of those turns that seems so different and out of left field that it almost feels too calculated this is also a movie that's kind of being sold by a lot of people including i think sometimes the director in interviews about gender identity and fluidity and I've read some criticisms of that that kind of lob this movie being kind of transphobic at that. And I'll leave it to others to dissect that know better. I do think the second act, though, is where people are getting that criticism from because the way it goes about it, it's more about deception than identity. And I, the thing is, I don't feel comfortable throwing loaded words at cultures I'm not overly familiar with like the French culture. So I don't love when I see people do that because yeah, anyway, I'll, because I'm, I'm approaching this from a very American point of view. I don't know the French culture. I don't know transphobia in France. I don't, it's not something I'm familiar with. So I will say that criticism is out there and I think it's in the second act. These characters aren't 
especially the ones that get introduced in Act 2, aren't necessarily that well fleshed out enough. And there are a couple of nice tender and human moments, too, that I, I think really help the film. But I can see where that is coming from. But I, like I said, I will, I'll leave that to other people to really dig into and decipher. I just think the movie gets kind of messy, for lack of a better term. And also, it, 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 it's about too much, and I wish it would have focused on one thing. And I think that middle portion is where it really, really hurts itself. The body horror, though, is where it shines. I did the Cronenberg... Um, Tetsuo stuff has been mentioned, but I, like I said, the first uh, the first twenty minutes or so of this movie, I was really digging at it. I mean, it is it is kind of like this dark fairy tale style movie, and uh, it does throw in those. Uh, uh, she is a um, she is the daughter of a gynecologist mother and a dermatologist father, so she was uh, she was born in Paris to to a pair of doctors, and you can kind of. You can kind of see it with she does take a very doctorly approach to how she shoots some of her violence. Uh, it's really good and it's really unsettling. Um, it does get back into the groove towards the end. I did like the first and third act best of this movie. I just think it loses its way a little bit for me in the middle. And it is a messy follow up to her her more focused original movie. I This was a slight disappointment for me. I am not going to put this on the honor roll. I do think there are some interesting ideas played around with, and I can see why some people really, really like it. I do think though, it it is not as deep as it seems. And I think if you really, really start to dig into some of what it's trying, what it's saying in the middle of the movie, I don't necessarily think it aligns with how it's being sold. So there you go. The movie is best when it's focused on the body horror stuff and then it rocks. So there you go. I am only putting old, the M night movie on the honor roll this week. Cause I might make my top 10 at the end of the year. I, uh, I think that Titan and don't breathe Two are certainly worth watches. I don't like doing this either though. I, I don't like telling people what's worth and what's not worth a watch. So watch whatever you want, honestly. And I don't like doing that to other, to like filmmakers works and stuff. I mean, whatever. Some people might like a good shark movie or a good sexy vampire movie that's super boring. I don't, no, I don't know people's tastes, but these people made them and you can support them if you want. Um, but I'm only putting old on the honor roll this week. Next week, I got some, uh, I got to be back. I got feast week. So I got to, got to go watch that here in a minute. I've also, we are going to be on the main show. We're going to be doing the, we're hoping to do the new resident evil movie recur- return to raccoon city. And so both of us are, we got a new movie coming up. I'll look forward to that. We dropped a tiny terror We've done some cool stuff. Multimedia just did book versus movie battle royale. I know the film, the game nerds have got some, some good stuff cooking. We're coming up on the end of the year too, which is always an exciting time. I am trying to fit in everything. I think next week I want to watch, or next episode I should say, because I'll be gone for a couple weeks. I want to watch that last night in Soho, the last the Edgar Wright movie that's out now. I need to catch up on the Night House. I gotta watch the new Purge before the end of the year. So there are a couple movies out now. I I really want to catch Antlers too. I've heard some good stuff about that. I want to catch Antlers before the end of the year as well. But for sure, um, check out, we'll be back here next week. I've got this one coming out kind of in the middle, in the off week. So check us out. We'll be back with the new review of the new Resident Evil movie. And until then, hey, thank you everybody for listening. Patreon, patreon.com backslash Midwest Podnet. If you want this and all of our other bonus episodes early, 
um, before they come out in the regular feeds. But even if you if you don't, thank you for listening and take care, everybody.